Welcome to the Grace of Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence to encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. You can learn more about us at gracedeugene.com. Here's the podcast. Well, happy day after Christmas. It's good to be with you all. And even though we're not together in person, I I'm very grateful for this opportunity to still gather virtually through this pre-recorded service to receive God's word together, to worship together, and I believe God has a very timely word for us today. And so I pray that you're encouraged. I pray that you're even sitting down enjoying family, just kind of basking in the aftermath of family time and creating memories together through this Christmas season. I pray you're able to relax and that your mind is finally a little bit more clear and you are able to fully receive what God has for us today. Amen. So today, I I found it fitting that given we're talking about presence for the last year and a half, that we might talk about the other kind of presence, the kind of presence of when we show up, when we are in a place, what we contribute to the environments that God has us in. And specifically today, I want to talk about what it means to become more spiritually mature with our presence. Now, not how good we do at giving gifts, but how we contribute to where God places us. And as we talk about growing in our spiritual maturity in regards to our presence, in regards to how the scriptures speak of it, we need to recognize that it is synonymous with relational maturity. Uh, Our spiritual maturity in our presence is synonymous with how we relate with others. It is a relational term. You see, spiritual maturity in our presence and just in general is not just some self-development track where, oh, I just need to get better. I need to work on me. But it's actually meant to be beneficial for everybody else, for those around you. As we grow in Christ, it is meant to benefit the body of Christ and the mission of Christ, not just our individual relationship with him. Now, this maturity is how we become more and more like Jesus, so we can fully participate in all that he has called us to do. Now, for me, I had a, I had a pretty decent childhood. Um, I, I grew up in the woods with a family. We had some property. I had my chocolate lab named Mocha and my Red Rider BB gun, and I feel like we conquered those, those woods. Every time the weather was nice, we were out hiking and uh, exploring. I was blessed enough to have both parents My little sister and I got along sometimes, and overall, I I had a really good childhood, but still, I recognize that it is better to grow up. It is better to not remain a child. Even for those of us with fond memories of childhood, I think as we mature into adulthood, we can recognize like, yeah, growing up is way better. Now, there's more responsibility and things that come with it, but we also have more opportunities and more chances to make an impact. So even though like childhood can be cool at times, and my wife and I will joke occasionally, I'm like, man, to go back to fifth grade where all we had to worry about was turning in homework, right? Like that can seem appealing sometimes, but I believe that growing up is, offers far more opportunities, is in a way better attitude for us to have. And that's not just about as we grow up physically or in our years, but as we grow up in Christ. And so in that today, I want to address this concept of present presence and what it means to be present. And the main idea with this is that when we journey through spiritual maturity in the area of our presence, we will go from our presence being an option 
to a priority. We will go from, do I actually make myself present and do I contribute in any given environment, to we make it a priority to contribute when we are in environments, that we will maximize our presence wherever we may go. Let's talk about immature presence for just a second so that we can kind of juxtapose the two things. Now, being a dad, I can think of at least two or three or way more examples of immature presence that I have shown. Um, one of the hardest things for me is youth soccer games. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Youth soccer games, I'm like, yay, you're all following the ball around. You know, and, and I can tend to check out. I can go to my phone. I can be doing whatever. It is hard for me to be mature in my presence at things like that. Tea parties. Boy, I've had to work at tea parties. And God gave me four daughters. And tea parties, they were tough for me at first. I had to learn some new skills to be fully present in those things. And in the context of church, when I first got involved in a church, I remember that church stuff used to be more of an option on a menu of things that I could do in any given night, specifically like going to small groups or life groups or whatever you may call them at your church. Um, those kind of things were like, well, if nothing better comes up, like, sure, I'll go. And it would always be last minute and whatever I had going on, I'd choose whichever one seemed better in the moment. I'd show up to church half asleep, just rolling out of bed in my pajamas, which is just shorts and a hoodie, right? Let's be honest. And I'd sit in the back, and I'd sneak out as soon as the music was over, and I'd just hustle out of the room. I didn't want to have any conversations. I'd go so I could say I was going, and then I would really quickly get out. That was what immature presence looked like when I was a baby Christian and when I was a new dad. But there was a requirement for me to be fully in those environments and fully present to grow up, to grow in my maturity. So as we talk about what it means to have a mature presence, there's two specific things I want to focus on. And the first is we simply need to show up. We need to show up. Hebrews 10 verses 23 through 25 tells us this. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward the love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, we've said this before and pointed it out, but it looks like the early church may have had some issues with flakiness that we can identify with in our church today, Amen. It looks like they also had some lack of presence problems. Now, statistics would indicate that we are in the midst of a similar or same or even maybe more of, than this problem in the, the church in America right now. Now, pre-pandemic, the numbers were that like 50% of Christians didn't go to church regularly, didn't contribute on a regular basis. So like no more than once a month would people who considered themselves Jesus-following Christians participate in a regular fashion. And as we look since the pandemic, we know that that number has changed even more. You can see it if you're in church. You can see it as you talk to people about what their priorities are, what their involvement is in community. And why is that? Why is there a, a presence problem, a showing up problem, a, a flakiness problem, if you will. And I think that there's two things going on here. One is that much of Christian culture has now taken on the idea that anything 
that feels consistent or forced is labeled as religious and is something that they don't want to do, then that all of a sudden is inauthentic. So if something is consistent, if something is labeled as religious or it's something we don't feel like doing in any given moment, we consider that inauthentic. We want authenticity and sincerity and we've redefined things that, don't, that we don't feel like doing or that we don't want to do as inauthentic or insincere. So there's been this pursuit in culture over the last 20 years of like, just be the true you. Just be sincere. Like, let it all out. Wear everything on your sleeve. Just don't hide anything. Don't compartmentalize anything. And what that has caused, especially in the realm of like committing and being fully present in church and outside of church, I'd say this goes in education, in the workplace, in all kinds of areas, is that people in their pursuit of authenticity uses an excuse to be flaky and just not do things that they don't want to do. Now, when I had kids that were in diapers, I did not like changing poopy diapers. It wasn't my thing. I would rather not do it. However, if y'all saw me at my house with my kids running around with poopy diapers, I don't think you'd say, ah, oh, Chris, I am just so grateful that you're being authentic in this moment and not doing that because you don't want to. You'd probably say, no, you're a really immature dad, and you need to like step up and do this thing that you don't want to do because that's what being a mature dad and being present and caring for the people around you looks like. That doesn't make me a more authentic dad for avoiding my responsibility, avoiding priorities, and avoiding maturity. It makes me an immature, irresponsible, sorry excuse for a dad. <clears throat> and with community and church, week after week, we show up and participate at some level, and I guarantee as you do that, you will become more spiritually mature. It will exercise those muscles in you, and you will grow. Because the Bible calls us to be the salt of the world. But it says, what good is the salt if it loses its saltiness? And it calls us to be a light on the hill meant to shine forth into the darkness and help give guidance and direction in a dark world that lacks orientation. But when it says all this, it's not talking about some individual journey with you and your high-powered flashlight just trying to go shine it everywhere that it's dark. This is meant to be a collective light where we trust with and walk with one another in relationship, shining forth the essence of who God is wherever he calls us to shine. We have to shine together. You see, when we miss a time where we gather, when you miss a time when we gather, like we miss you, you miss us. There's something that is missed out in those moments. As a community, we are not the same when one of us is missing. Everybody in a community adds something of value to it, adds a connection point from their testimony in the story of what Jesus has done in them that you never know what weekend someone's going to walk in off the street desperately needing to hear what God did in your life. And if you're not there, you are missed. We are better when we are all together. When we come together as a family and when we prioritize it and when we are spiritually mature with our presence and we show up, there is a level of faith in the room, a level of belief that adds to the climate and everybody's experience of mutual maturity and encountering God raises. There's just something in the room that rises. Church doesn't happen from the start of the music to the end of the message. It happens as soon as as you arrive and until you leave. 
Like church gathering, a corporate gathering on Sunday happens the moment you get out of your car and you start interacting with one another and you contribute to community and you are present. That's why it's important, like get here a little early, interact with folks, have some conversations, see how people are doing, stay a little late, follow up, arrange a time to get together, be present and fully show up. This is a necessary part of growing up as it pertains to our presence. We need you. We need all of us to walk out the fullness of what God has called our community to do. Our city needs us. Our city needs us. And when we put ourselves into moments where maybe it's not our preference or maybe it's a little harder to show up because, ah, it's been a rough week. I don't know how I feel about that. We position ourselves to receive the grace and power of Jesus in those moments rather than our own. And in turn, our testimony grows. Uh, Who we get to point to as the hero of any given moment grows. All it does is give us more opportunities to point to Jesus. There are no throwaway Sundays. There's no throwaway life groups. There's no throwaway interactions with others because you never know, A, when it might be your last, and B, what God might do in any of those moments. There's only 52 weeks in a year where we have the chance to gather collectively and where we have the chance to invite others into community, into the community to experience the Jesus that we know saves, to hear the good news to hear what is available to them that they may be desperately needing. We are better when we are all here together and when we show up. The second thing that it looks like to be mature in our presence is what I'll call make wine. And we've referenced this before. But John 2, 1 through 10, it says this. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Jesus says, Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out. And take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you saved the best till now. Now I think it's... Fair to say that in this situation, Jesus had some bigger fish to fry than the lack of foresight on how much wine to have at this party. Would you all agree? Like Jesus probably had some bigger things to do. He was getting ready to launch into his public ministry. He knew what was in front of him, what the Father had sent him here for, and he knew that this little issue of wine was not his primary mission and likely not his focus in that moment. But He chose to engage in the moment, be fully present, and make the wedding better. He chose to make it better. He chose to add something to the situation. Now, how many times do we pass up the opportunity to be engaged and add value in something? 
How many times do we just put our head down and cruise through a moment that there may be something that God's giving us the opportunity to add or engage in to make something better? What I ask us to do collectively in those moments is choose to make wine. Now, these moments may not be our ultimate calling or ultimate purpose, and they may seem silly and minuscule in the big sense of what we have going on, and like it might seem insignificant to us in the moment. But when we get into a situation and we get the chance to make something better, let us not just coast through or do what's easy, but let us make wine. Let us engage fully. Let us contribute something in those moments. What if... We chose as a community to say, hey, anytime I get the chance, I want to contribute something of value. So it gives me an opportunity to point to Jesus who led me to do that. What if I added value instead of coasted through my kids' sports teams and going to practices or helping out or whatever it may be? What if I chose to add value instead of just coast through a Sunday morning, a day at work, a family holiday, whatever it is? What if we chose to take the time that may cost us a little bit, but to fully engage and make wine in all of these moments that God gives us to do so. Now, we don't make wine so that people will like us. We don't make wine to gain followers. This will be, oh, wow, that person, every time they're in the room, look at them, they're awesome. Chris is awesome. Elise is awesome. Oh, my gosh, no. We do that so when they recognize that there's something different and something being contributed, we can point to the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus Christ himself on this earth who is alive and well and wants a relationship with them. That's why we do it. Not so that you can have a personal reputation of contribution, but so that you can have a reputation of being someone that Jesus works through. We make wine because it gives us an opportunity to point people to Jesus. In spite of all the stuff happening in this world, we choose to make wine, to add value, to be fully present. And we come with a kind of contagious belief and expectant faith that adds to every climate or environment that we get the chance to be in. And this can actually start to change culture. It can shift mindsets and culture of rooms and workplaces and families. And you don't have to be alive for long to recognize that the culture and the social climate of our world desperately needs change. Do we do that by pointing at everything that's wrong or do we do that by showing up being fully present and making wine, contributing something, even if it seems insignificant and it's not our main focus. We take the time to do that because we never know when we might get a point to Jesus. We don't theorize about getting the opportunities to point to Jesus. We engage in moments so that we can, so that we have the opportunities. We don't talk about, wouldn't it be nice? We say, let's do it now. We don't talk about, gosh, I wish I had an opportunity. We see the opportunities all around us, and some of them may be awkward, and that's okay, but we seize them, and we point to him. And the Bible says, out of these times, out of these moments, we get to make disciples. We get to make disciples. So I pray that every day I wake up, I can make a decision, and that you would too, to choose to make wine and be present, to add value, to show up at whatever God has for you that day and make the most out of it so that 
you can point to the one who saved you so that you can point to him. So as we close, obviously after a message like this, many of us will have some some soul searching to do. And I just ask you to, to honestly assess your life and see what areas God might be pointing out that you can do a better job at showing up, prioritizing your presence, and then intentionally contributing or being present or adding value to making wine when you are in those environments. And I know as you're hearing this message today, it's the day after Christmas, and likely we've been spending the last couple days with plenty of other people, but there are a lot of weeks and opportunities to come in this coming year. And I pray that God will help us to be a people that show up and we make wine wherever he'd send us. I love you guys. I pray that this word's encouraging and that we can all make a choice to apply it in our life and our relationships. Amen. So God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would help us all to be fully present in everything that you lead us into and that you would help us to choose to make wine. Choose to make wine, to make every situation better that you lead us into so that we can point to you, the one who saves, who brings hope, who redeems, who restores, who is good news for all the world. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.